Hi, I'm Daniel Carruth, and you're listening to Natural Election, a podcast from Ozarks at Large and KUAF, all about elections in Arkansas. Throughout this series, we'll examine what it takes to vote in the natural state ahead of the primaries on May 24th. So far, we've covered how to register to vote, Arkansas's low voter turnout, and why we bother voting at all. In this episode, we're going to cut the chit-chat and show you how to put that information into practice. As Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith reports, gearing up to go to the polls requires a lot from voters. One, to keep up with dates and deadlines. Two, approved identification. And three, the mental space necessary to show up in public, talk to workers, and submit that ballot. For many voters, going to the polls is an anxiety-riddled errand, kind of like a trip to the dentist or the DMV. But Rachel's put together a guide for how to deal with unwanted anxiety at the ballot box. Most know the feeling. Of your heart trying to beat out of your chest. Your breath quickening as the line gets shorter. Energetic fingers tapping at your side until... Hi, can I see your ID and what primary are you voting in? Trust me when I say those feelings aren't too unfamiliar. If you're a bundle of nerves like me, those feelings are inconvenient and ill-timed when you're busy making important decisions about your community. For some, it may be the fear of being somewhere unfamiliar or interacting with unknown volunteers. Sometimes there's so much jargon and anxiety about where you are or aren't allowed to stand and what you are and aren't allowed to do at polling locations. But it's important to remember that anxiety is an alarm system, not a permanent state, though it may certainly feel like it. Much of the discussion around anxiety often frames it as a fear to be conquered, when in reality, it's much more like a pestering relative that you learn how to interact with and manage. Eventually, those interactions will become easier, but sometimes you need a couple tips and tricks to get there. Now, not all relaxation and grounding techniques are socially acceptable, like sitting down in the middle of a polling place to get some meditation in, or a quick journaling session while poll workers are trying to verify your personal information, But some grounding techniques are quiet and can be done in the midst of a full crowd of people or while waiting in line to soothe those buzzing thoughts. My personal favorite is using boxed breathing, or as I like to call it, the four for four. We've all heard someone say, just breathe, to someone experiencing anxiety, but that rarely calms them down and often does quite the opposite. This grounding technique allows for people to center themselves by breathing in for four, holding their breath for four, breathing out, and then counting to four. Here, let me show you. Breathe in through your nose for one, two, three, four. Hold for one, two, three, four. Breathe out through the mouth for one, two, three, four. And finally, count. One, two, three, four. Another way to calm the busy mind to focus on what is at hand is visualization. 
Think of all your anxieties and worries building up inside of you, and in your hand is a bubble blower. With every small breath, all of those anxieties and worries come out. As they're all in front of you, you begin to pop each bubble with a little pin. Remember the satisfying sound of a pop for each, and then one by one, all of them are gone. Visualization can also be, as some might relate, a time to go to their happy place. A beautiful beach with waves crashing and salty air, or a calm forest with green tall trees and misty wind. When we're stressed, our bodies default to shallow, fast breathing that fills our chest. As a result, we remain in fight or flight mode. Really, doing any relaxation or grounding technique to slow your breathing will interrupt the cyclical pattern of anxiety and allow you to be more present. Being prepared for the polling station can also calm those pre-voting jitters. Make sure you double-check your registration, have your approved photo identification with you, and a sample ballot if you can't quite remember who's who and the myriad of candidates. Also remember, especially if you're a first-time voter, there are poll workers there to help you. Individuals may feel a bit nervous the first time they step into a polling station, but remember that the federal law allows poll workers to offer extra assistance to these voters. There are plenty of techniques, resources, and people willing to make sure that the voting process goes as easily as possible. And if the big crowds on election day are making you nervous, early voting locations are available and are usually less full. For the May 24th primary, statewide early voting is underway right this second. It's available from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday and from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday, up until May 23rd, the day before the election. That was reporter Rachel Sanchez-Smith. Now that your heart rate has settled and you're feeling confident about voting, Matthew Moore is here to help walk you through the ballot. Having a plan to vote is crucial. Knowing when and where to go, whether you're going to vote early or vote on election day, and what to expect on your ballot. Many of these can be answered with the Voter View website. We've got a link to that at KUAF.com slash vote. But let's walk through how to find out this crucial information. On the Voter View website, you'll type in your first and last name and your birth date. That personal information will take you to a page that lists your address and what precinct you'll be voting in. Now, make sure to look at the top and make sure that that address is the same address that you currently live at. That's really important so that you'll make sure you're voting in the right election. Now, let's assume you've got the right address on there. Great. Below that, you'll find a list of locations where you can vote early or on election day, May 24th, as well as the times the polls are open. In some counties, you may find that there is a lot of places you can vote. In others, there may just be one or two. Okay, great. You know what day and what time you can vote. Now, let's keep scrolling down that page and next you'll see some links to sample ballots. A ballot for the Democrat Party primary, one for the Republican Party primary, and a nonpartisan judicial ballot. 
Let's start with the nonpartisan ballot first. This ballot is typically pretty brief. You will not be voting for a governor or secretary of state or senator on this ballot. Instead, what you'll see is mostly judicial elections. For example, my ballot as a Fayetteville resident, I see two state Supreme Court elections, an election for prosecuting attorney in District 4, and a school millage disclosure. This one is a little confusing. I'll be honest, I had to actually look this one up. School districts are required under Article 14, Section 3 of the Arkansas Constitution to include their tax rates on the ballots in school elections, regardless of whether they are seeking a change. On my ballot in Fayetteville, the ballot measure ends by saying, quote, the total proposed school tax levy represents the same rate presently being collected, end quote, which means they're not raising it. So no matter whether you vote for or against, nothing changes. But for some school districts, like in Elkins, Springdale, and Mountainburg, this is one you should pay attention to because those districts are asking for an increase. The party ballots are quite similar, other than the obvious differences of the separate candidates. First, you'll see the federal offices, such as U.S. Senate candidates and your district's U.S. Congress seat. Following the federal offices, you'll see state offices, such as governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, state treasurer, commissioner of state lands, and secretary of state, and so on. You will also see your state representative and state senator on there as well. And a reminder, we just had a census, which means we just had redistricting. So there's a chance you may have a different state senator or state representative where you live. Next level down are county elections. This includes county judge and justices of the peace. And I hope you were listening during the nonpartisan portion of the ballot explainer because you'll see that those state Supreme Court and prosecuting attorney elections we just talked about are on the party ones as well. Now, maybe you've been following along at your specific ballot and saying, hey, wait, I didn't see commissioner of state lands on my ballot yet. Are you sure you know what you're talking about? We're getting there. I promise. Hold on. At the end of the ballot, you'll see unopposed offices. That means that there is only one candidate running in their primary. They have automatically won their primary and their name will be listed on general election ballots come November. That's a lot, right? How are you supposed to hold all that information in your head? Well, lucky for you, voting is an open book test. That's right. You can print off a sample ballot Go ahead and take note of who you want to vote for. And when you get in the booth, you can mark your official ballot the way you had planned. Just don't make any plans to pass around that ballot at the polls. That's a surefire way to get in trouble. And the best part is there's lots of folks at the polls who are literally paid to help you. Need a quick explainer on something? Does something not look familiar? Those friendly faces at the poll are waiting and excited to help you out. As Rachel and Matthew have pointed out, when it comes to elections and voting, there's a lot that can be intimidating. One of the biggest challenges voters face is election jargon. 
The words we encounter at the polls can often trip up even the most engaged of citizens. So I'm going to run through a few terms you might encounter that could be a bit confusing. Let's start with some of the positions that you're voting for. You'll likely know the high-profile positions like governor, state representative, senator, attorney general. But there are a few that you may see on the ballot that could leave you scratching your head. One you'll likely see is Commissioner of State Lands, or the Land Commissioner. This is one statewide position that essentially oversees state-owned property. They also have authority over certain historic preservation initiatives and the leasing of natural resources on state-owned land. Another commonly misunderstood position is Justice of the Peace. And these aren't glorified wedding officiants, but rather members of your quorum court, the legislative body for a county government. The justices meet monthly and are in charge of carrying out county-level duties like levying taxes, appropriating public funds, filling county office vacancies, and other administrative tasks. That leads to another confusing title, the county judge. So not a judge in the law and order sense, these officials essentially act as the chief executive officer of a county. They preside over the quorum court and are the custodians of county property and public buildings. Some other peculiar words come up before you even mark your ballot, like a ward, electoral districts that are determined by where you live in a town or city and used for local elections, or precincts, a further subdivision of an electoral district often determining polling locations. Then there are terms like ballot measure, which is just a law, question, or issue that's put to a voter that you can approve or reject. For example, a bond issue when a government asks for voter approval for additional spending, often for a municipality or school district. This list isn't comprehensive, and the terms can be tricky. So I called up an expert to see how voters can ease some of that confusion and stay in the know. So my name is Kayla Fletcher, um, and I currently am the Education Program Coordinator at the Arkansas PBS station. And before her job with Arkansas PBS, Kayla taught civics with Virtual Arkansas. I took my first teaching position um, in May of 2016, and so that fall in August was not only my very first um, full-time teaching my own students, um, it was also an election year, and that semester I was teaching civics. And so I knew that I, I wanted to do something impactful, and I'm not sure a lot of people know, but in Arkansas, civics is typically taught at the ninth grade level. And personally, um, it makes it a little difficult to teach, you know, 14, sometimes 15-year-olds the importance of something like voting when they're not going to do it for four to five years. Um, and so I knew I wanted to make, make it as relatable as possible. And so um, the wheels kind of started spinning on how do, I, um, how do I teach them during an election year and, and connect it to civics and the standards that we're required to teach and make it impactful and, and teach them to really understand and hopefully it be something that they carry with them when it's time for them to actually vote. She says teaching during the 2016 election led her to develop a toolkit for her middle and high school students that walked them through the voting process and one for parents and teachers on how to break down the elections 
and civics in a relatable way. I think sometimes just political words in general can be confusing, especially depending on the education that they had growing up. Um, And sometimes I think as adults, we, especially uh, probably politicians, they use these fancy words that aren't broken down. Even just using words, like I know a lot of us like to assume that like we know what democracy or a democratic process means, but it's really not as as simple as that. And so I think sometimes if we uh, took a step back and explained what we, some of us may consider to be a very commonly used and understood word. If, if someone said, you know, this is what a democracy is, and this is what that the role that that plays in your voting, and this is why your vote can essentially matter, I think, I think again, it's going to potentially make people feel more comfortable knowing what is needed to place their vote. Um, I don't think you have to know every topic. I don't think you have to know every politician. I think it really is just being given the knowledge to empower yourself to then research further. And she says the basics of teaching civics doesn't actually change that much from students to adults. In fact, she thinks adults may be less inclined to get informed out of anxiety or embarrassment. One of the major problems, she says, is that voters don't often talk about the things we don't know. It kind of goes back to being in school where nobody wants to ask the hard question because they don't want to look stupid or silly or less than or not as knowledgeable. And so I think you're right. I think it's going to take people getting out and saying, hey, I didn't know this or I don't know this. Anybody else? And so if we can start to provide that type of platform for people to also say, oh, I didn't I didn't know that either. And if we can then teach each other, because we can learn so much from each other if we have conversations, um, if we can teach each other and empower each other, then there's going to be more people that, at the very least, feel more comfortable taking themselves to the polls and voting. So if there's a word or position you don't understand come May 24th, don't be afraid to ask. The odds are you aren't the only one in the dark. You can find those voter toolkits called Assemble Symbol at myarkansaspbs.org civics. And for more on specific definitions and the history of some of those Arkansas elected offices, you can visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. You've been listening to Natural Election, a podcast production of Ozarks at Large and KUAF Public Radio. This show is co-hosted by Matthew Moore and Rachel Sanchez-Smith. I'm Daniel Carruth. We're looking to collect voting stories from our listeners, so whether you're voting for the first time in this year's primary or you voted in every election, we hope you'll share a story or testimonial of why you're voting. Record a voice memo and email it to us. That's ozarksatlarge at gmail.com. And if you want more about when and where you can vote in the primary, head on over to kuaf.com vote. Be sure to subscribe for free to this show wherever you get your podcast. Until then, we'll see you on Election Day next Tuesday.